Hello and welcome to At Home with Ashley G. I'm Ashley Gronwald, a real estate agent, mother of three, living in Raleigh, North Carolina with my husband Jed. I hope you'll join me as we discuss all things that begin in the home, such as family, marriage, faith, parenting, organizing, and plus a sprinkle of real estate. I look forward to building a community with you as we navigate the joys of owning a home and making it our safe haven for our family. Because home is where it all begins. Hi everyone, it's Ashley Gronwald with Hunter Row Real Estate and I have my friend Heather Ritchie here with me today. Thanks for joining me, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. It's gonna be awesome, I can't wait. Um, so Heather and I are friends. Um, we actually live in the same neighborhood right now. We go to the same church. We've got, she's got an Elliot, I've got an Ellie and they're best buds at the pool. So we've got lots of things in common. And then we found that we have the Enneagram in common and we're both podcasters. So it's like all of these unique things about us that are coming in line with each other that have made us just, I think, gravitate towards one another. So we've really been enjoying this friendship. And then of course, the Enneagram has become a topic of discussion. So I wanted to ask you some questions about being an eight. And I know there's going to be people out there that maybe have loved ones that are eights or that have just coworkers or important relationships with eight women potentially, or eight men that you might be able to shed some light on. So I want to jump in and do that. But before we do, I know your podcast is currently on a, a short hiatus. So tell us a little bit about that. And what is your podcast about for people who might want to listen? Sure. Thanks. Uh, my podcast is called The Middle with Daniel and Heather Ritchie. It's one that my husband and I co-host together. And the premise behind it was just that we live a lot of our life in the middle. It's not usually the high highs or the low lows of life, but a lot of life is just lived in the middle. And so we kind of talk about everything and how our faith intersects with that. Um, and we are in a hiatus right now. We were moving and in transition and we're hoping to restart that soon, maybe in the fall, but all of our past episodes are out there. So if anybody's curious, they can go listen. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You can go listen and get a feel for yeah. them for when you do start back up. Well, awesome. Yeah. So let's dive in um, and just sure. start having this discussion um, about you as an eight. And one of my favorite things you said when I first met you um, is about the paint chip. So why don't you say that instead of me taking your words, why don't you just share what you say about the paint chips? Absolutely. Um, a lot of people don't like the Enneagram because they feel like it boxes them into one of nine types. And I can totally see how you would think that from face value because you hear there's nine types. But I, what I've learned through the last few years of as I have dove into the Enneagram myself is that it's almost like when you stand in front of that big wall of paint chips at Lowe's or Home Depot and you see red, but there's a hundred shades of red or a hundred shades of blue. And I said, that's exactly what it's like. You might be an eight, but there are a hundred different versions of what an eight could look like or a three or a one, whatever number you or a loved one may be. And to me, it kind of almost brings you out of the box instead of boxing you in. I feel like the different shades and the layers. And as you go into talking about wings and subtypes in areas of health or not health is stress as they call it, that you look like a different shade of that color or that number. I love that. I think that's so helpful because someone who's an eight listening may not resonate with everything you say today. And that's because right. there's so many different variations of it. Um, so I, I think you can't listen to one person's manifestation of eight and say, oh, that's, that doesn't sound a thing like me, or I didn't resonate with everything. So I could not possibly be an eight. I think you have to talk yeah. to lots of different people. And I think you and I listen to lots of different podcasts of people talking about their type and how it manifests. And um, we have a mutual friend 
where we're both threes and we look at each other and say, how can you be a three? Because you're so very different. <laughs> it's because it the paint chip analogy is so good. So for those yeah. who may not know what an eight is, in a few sentences, how would you describe an eight on the Enneagram? Sure. I think an eight is someone who is naturally powerful. I asked my husband about this. He said, y'all are power players because when you want to, you can shift the power in a room. He says, not that you always do it, but you have the ability. And so I think that lends itself to the strength of an eight. We're known for being very strong. I think of the analogy of like going to war, like you would want us on your team because we'll get hit by a bullet. We'll keep going for you. We're protective. We're loyal. Um, we're generally not afraid of conflict if we have to have it, but doesn't mean we always want it. However, we're very tender, even though we we are all those things strong and we can go to war with you and we're protective and we're loyal. We're very, very tender on the inside. And those closest to us, they know just how tender we are, but it's usually a select few. Um, and eights are a little naughty. We like to be a little naughty, I think, <laughs> that rebellious nature. Yeah. That's good. I mean, it's so fun. I think some of my listeners know I'm married to an eight. And so <laughs> everything you're saying is just like, so true to him, even though it manifests differently for a man, of course, and then a different yeah. you know, way. But I think that's really good. And then one time you used an analogy about a sea urchin with an eight. Can you yeah. describe that? Yeah. I think that's good too. I was having a conversation with my husband. I said, you know what I think I've discovered as a female eight? I'm spiky, like a sea urchin on the outside. You know, I'm a little rough around the edges and um, it might sting a little, but on the inside, I'm like soft and squishy. <laughs> and so I have lots of little feelings on the inside. So yeah. A searchin is probably a good example. Mm -hmm. I think that's so good because if you're willing to kind of push through, like for those on the outside looking in, wanting relationship yep. with an eight, or we're in a relationship with an eight, knowing that mm -hmm. those spikes aren't not necessarily personal attacks. They're the way you're wired for protection and right. um, to go to bat for us. Mm -hmm. If we become, you know, one of people on your team and then realizing yeah. there's a soft internal side to you that if you can get on that inside, it's the best. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure you see that with your husband, that he has mm -hmm. that soft spot for you, for your kids, um, mm -hmm. probably for his, some of his very closest friends. And he would go to war for them. I mean, he would go to battle all day long. And that's exactly what an eight will do. You want us on your team and you don't want us against you. Against you. <laughs> right. And to go off script a little bit um, sure. in the workshop we did for my birthday, one of the things it said about an eight is that they're naturally going to be against. And so mm -hmm. I just threw that out there to the people at the table and said, the ones that are eights or spouses of eights, do you agree that the eight is naturally going to be against? And it didn't say anything more than that, just against. Mm -hmm. Do you resonate with that? I do a little bit. It's not a needing to be right. And it's not, I, I'm not, I don't know how quite to describe that, but yeah, there is this need to be against. Um, and it doesn't have to be against everything, but particularly if we feel like something's wrong or if it could be done a better way, mm -hmm. then I'm going to lean into like, I'm not for that. And I'm going to let you know, I'm not for that. And mm -hmm. I think there's a better way to do that. Um, and it usually has to revolve around efficiency of time for me personally. I can't mm -hmm. speak for all eights, but for me, if I find something is really dumb, <laughs> like a really dumb rule just done for tradition's sake or, um, you know, for reputation's sake, um, you know, whatever that may be, I can be really against something like that. I see that with Jed so much within our company, like everything that the owner suggests as an idea, Jed's against it and will fight and come up with a better idea most of yeah. the time. And he's like, man, I love having you here at this company because you know you have all <laughs> these great ideas, but it takes him like fighting through each decision. Yeah. One example I have, Jed and I were making Ellie's bed like two nights ago and I was putting the, sh the sheet 
on mm -hmm. where the pattern was showing up. And Jed okay. was like, mm -mm, turn that over so that the pattern's facing down. So then when I pull it back for Ellie to get into bed, she's covered in unicorns. There's and always like, a better way, right? Right. And it was such an <laughs> eight moment because I looked at Ellie and said, I don't agree with this isn't how I would do it, but there is no right or wrong way. It's just preference. And Ted was like, sure. well, if you want it with unicorns all around you, you do it this way. So it's so <laughs> and like, daddy is going to make sure that baby girl has unicorns all around her. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. So it's just like in it's even in the little things that he's just against, you know, if it's something he sees a better way, it makes more sense yeah. to do it, he's gonna voice it. So I see that for yeah. sure. I know we've <laughs> talked about how you felt misunderstood as a female eight. Now I think mm -hmm. eights as men, it's kind of like that's awesome. Culture supports yeah. that. They may still say he's a jerk or men can be a jerk as an eight, but it's more supported, more culturally accepted. But a woman as an eight having those prickly edges, how do you feel misunderstood by that? Yeah, I think particularly in the South and in Southern Christian culture, we can really feel that weight as a female eight. And I think that's what was so freeing for me learning about the Enneagram and learning that I was an eight because at first I thought, Oh no, I don't want to be this. But then as I learned about more, I was like, no, this is how God made me. And it explains so much. So my husband is also a pastor. And so being in Southern culture, in the church, as a pastor's wife, from the time I was 20, I learned really quickly. And I always used to say, I'm not going to be your average pastor's wife. Cause I just knew I wouldn't fit that mold of the meek, mild church mousy persona that is kind of thrusted upon women within our culture. So yeah, I have felt misunderstood in that way. And uh, sometimes my directness is perceived as maybe being rude or harsh, but really I'm just trying to like get the job done. Like, let's get it done. Let's be efficient. Let's go. And also just my loyalty to people. It can be read as favoritism to some people, but really it's just, I recognize that they need me and they've acknowledged that they want me in their life. Whereas like not everybody needs me and that's okay. Cause I don't want to be needed by everybody. So yeah, there's a lot of layers to that, but I've definitely felt that I've been misunderstood in ways. And especially when I talk to other women who have very strong personalities, like ones and eights who are in church ministry as well, they feel that pressure too. For sure. Yeah. So again, off script. So if you can't think of it, you can say, get back to me, but is okay. there a woman in the Christian kind of culture that ha we don't know if she's an eight necessarily, but you can identify with to say she's more like me, but less the, the, you know, meek and mild pastor's wife that people would expect of you. Is there anybody in that light that you can say identify with? Sure. My first thought is Jackie Hill Perry. I know she's not an eight. She's a three. I thought for a long time she was probably an eight, um, but she talks quite often how she's a three. And yeah, just her personality. I mm -hmm. really, really jive with her and I love her for being herself and not trying to change and fit a mold. She is just who she is and she stands her ground. And I have so much respect for her for that. Mm -hmm. um, and then another woman I think of is uh, Christine Kane. She's <laughs> louder than I am, but she is an Enneagram eight and she's strong and she's direct and she's bold. And I really respond to that and respect that. And you can likewise look at an Enneagram eight in the 
on the male side of things in the church world. And like, I love Matt Chandler, the pastor of the village and his preaching, because I feel like he is so passionate and bold and strong in his preaching. And I always say, that's exactly how we should be preaching. Like as if we believe what we're saying up on stage. And so I really respond to that passion. I respond to that strength. It like rises up something in me, but it's interesting how like a Matt Chandler that's often hailed as wonderful and passionate and good. And women like Jackie or Christine Kane, I think are often too much. They're too mm -hmm. much. They need to soften up. And I'm like, why is that? God didn't make us to soften up in that way. So good. They, th that helps just maybe give people somebody else that they may know to say, oh, I can see that. And so that might be helpful. So thanks for sharing that. That's awesome. Absolutely. So what do you most identify with as an eight on the Enneagram? You've talked about the loyalty piece. You've talked about the prickly little edges, but soft core. Yeah. So assume some of those things, passionate, bold, challenger, any other things that you like really can identify with? Yeah, I think it's mainly the strength. Um, and then my husband says my superpower is that I can read a room and I can read a person like that. It's it's pretty quick. I have a good read on people and like 99% of the time I'm pretty right. I'm wrong sometimes. Um, there have been people that I've judged too quickly and I've had to ask the Lord to just work on my heart in that area and make sure that I'm trying to read people and not be judgmental. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty good read on people and situations. I can quickly tell who in the room has the power, who's watching who. Yeah, that I think is kind of neat because it helps me digest really quickly what's happening in a space. That's so interesting. And I love that Daniel calls it a superpower. It's like, yeah. it's super <laughs> it's like I don't know that a lot of people have that gift. Maybe lots of eights do. I don't know. I'll have to ask Jed yeah. about that specifically because he's never verbalized that to me but i wonder if he is able to to tell that as well um, i'm sure what about what you don't identify with and like we say mm -hmm. that just because you you know say this is your number that doesn't mean everything is going to be relatable to you so what are some things that are defined as eights that you think that's not really me i don't identify with yeah i would say when i see stuff written about eights saying that we're argumentative or bullish now i think an unhealthy eight can be really argumentative um, or in stress you can be bullish but in general i do not go looking for a fight I don't want to fight. I really love peace. I really want peace in my life. I really don't like conflict. Now I'll have it if I have to, but I really don't want to get to that point. Um, so yeah, I just don't identify with um, wanting to pick an argument just for fun's mm -hmm. sake, just to get people riled up. Like I don't see the point in that. I honestly think people like that have some insecurities they need to work through. And you mentioned wings. So what I think you just alluded to there is that you probably yeah. have a nine wing if you're saying like peace. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> and which I think is so confusing for someone who might be just getting into Enneagram or like where I'm at and I'm like, gosh, how could you be this challenger, confronter, bold, yeah. but then also identify with the characteristics of the nine, which is the peacemaker. But I think like you said, you're going to stand up for what's you feel like you need to stand up for, but you're not going out there just trying to pick a fight and being argumentative. No. You want peace, but you will stand up when necessary. Absolutely. I think of like a lion. A lion is strong. You know they're strong. You know they're powerful. You know not to mess with them, but they're not going around picking fights. Traditionally in the wild, they're only going to exert their energy for survival to either fight for territory, to hunt, that kind of thing. So I think of it's kind of like the same way, like we're not gonna go around and be bullies just to be bullies because that's such a waste of energy and time. And we don't like that because we have tender hearts. We don't necessarily want that conflict with people, but if it comes down to it, yeah, we will. So here's a question off script again, but if you're at a restaurant 
and you've ordered and you've been clear and articulate about what you've ordered and it comes and it's wrong. Because mm-hmm. I would always give an example as a nine saying like, I'm not going to deal with it. I'll just eat what they brought, even though it's not what I ordered. Whereas I would give an example of an eight being like, um, excuse me, this is wrong. Can you please fix it? So I'm just curious for you, what would you do in that situation? Oh yeah, I'm getting it fixed and I do every time. Yeah, and that's funny you mentioned that. So we said I'm an eight wing nine. So I think that softens me up a little bit, makes me a little bit more laid back. My husband is a nine wing eight. So we are a weird duo. Um, I've often heard us called the fire and ice couple through reading about Enneagram couples. So yeah, we're, we're total opposites. And Daniel, my husband would be the one to sit at the table and say, oh, they forgot this, it's all right. And now I, because I love him and I'm loyal and I protect him and I love justice and I feel like he didn't get what he ordered and he's paying for this after all. I'm gonna say, excuse me, waiter, he asked for this. Now I'll say it in a nice way. I'll be really polite about it, but I'm gonna want what I want. And I see Jed do that for me too. See, like <laughs> me having the fear of man and being a three and worried about the image and what people think of me, I will yeah. say it like, oh, they got it wrong. You know, so I'm saying it out kind of in a passive aggressive way, but not for yeah. them to hear. Jed hears me and he's like, excuse me, this needs <laughs> fixed. You know, he's coming to bat for me. Totally. Doesn't it make you feel loved? It does. It does. Are you embarrassed? Um, well, it depends. I mean, I've seen him go to bat in a way that I'm embarrassed at how he responded. And I'm like, how are we showing them Jesus when you just acted like that, you know? And and then I see him in such a humble way, go up to that same waiter and be like, man, I'm really sorry. I was rude to you. And I'm like, gosh, I love that about you. Your willingness to not be afraid of what he might think yeah. of you and cower and shame. Instead, you're like, hey, I was not appropriate in the way I responded to you. What so, a good man. Yes. I mean, there are good. definitely times where I feel like he's trying to protect me. He's trying to get something for me that I want. But sometimes I'm embarrassed at his willingness to be so bold about it. So it just depends. Yeah. But yeah, but I yeah. I think this the message that I want to hear and others to hear that might be in relationship with an eight is like receive it as love. Don't mm-hmm. don't let your insecurity of the fear of man, if that's an insecurity issue for you, get in the way of that person loving you. Even if it's a absolutely different. yeah, because the eight really deals with betrayal. If we feel like you've betrayed us, like that's one of the worst things you can do to an eight. And oftentimes, if I feel like I've gone to bat for you, and then suddenly you don't want it, or you criticize me for how I've protected you or stepped up on your behalf, that feels like betrayal to me because I feel like I I stuck my neck out for you, and I'm willing to do that. I don't care what happens to me, mm-hmm. but don't swat at me for that because now you're not going to get that protection anymore. Mm. Gosh, I've got such a good example. I need to go to Jen and say I'm sorry for. <laughs> so thank you. This is you're why welcome. You're, you're so good for me. Marriage um, counseling. We've got it. <laughs> exactly. So we talked about your wing a little bit. So you're saying yeah. wing or wings are always the number to the right or the left of your number, mm-hmm. um, your main number you identify with. And usually you gravita- gravitate towards one of those two. And you're saying that that's nine. Do you yeah. ever see seven influence you or not? As yeah. Much? yeah. I feel like um, in social settings, seven comes out. So when we're hanging out at the pool, my seven comes out. I, I want to be on, I want to have good energy. I want to be lively, but that is not my natural state. So in social settings, that's when I do that, but it drains me. I'm an introvert at heart. And so then that's where people are always surprised. They say, oh, I really thought you were an extrovert. I said, well, because around you, I am, because I want to have a good time. Mm -hmm. It's not like a fake thing. It's just, I want to bring my best self so we can all have fun. We have good energy. We have good conversation. And then I go home and I'm like, 
I'm drained and I have to recharge. And that's the nine. That's my true self, I guess you could say. Yeah. It's yeah. so interesting. And I, I think, again, this is why it's so, you have to be so careful not to type people because you, mm -hmm. you can see them in a setting and assume something about them that's not accurate because you don't know their motivation. So yeah. you having a good time, like playing into your seven a little bit might mm -hmm. make someone think that they're, that you're an extrovert or also sure. that, that you are a seven when really you're an eight, but wanting you've connected with this person and you're pulling on that seven side of you. So it's, yeah. it's why asking questions is better than just assuming and saying you must be a fill in the blank. Totally, totally. And I love how when our conversations first started, when we were meeting and you were asking about the Enneagram, um, yeah, you didn't assume what I was, you asked. And I thought that was really kind. Awesome. Well, I think in my mind, I want to, to bring security to myself, I want to type everybody or I want everybody to have their number on their forehead so that I can right. just know and then I'll know how to interact with them. And of course, that that's like a cowardish way of not going and building relationship with people and yeah. let them explain them instead of assuming based on what I've seen. So um, mm. I definitely try, but I know it's hard because sometimes I see really strong tendencies in someone and I'm like, they've got to be a fill in the blank. You yeah. Know? You just never I know. know. It's, it's that wall of paint chips again. There's a hundred shades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. in the arrows of stress and health too, I yeah. mean, you can start looking like other numbers when you're in a stressful situation or when you're feeling good and secure too. So you've got to know those as well that can influence your type. Totally. My husband is a nine. And so he's very laid back. So when y'all see him at the pool, he's not working. He's off duty. So he's very checked out. He's very laid back. If you were to meet him in a work setting, you would think he's a three because mm -hmm. his energy is on. He goes to three in health and he just has great presence. It's kind of like how I go to seven. He goes to a three and he's all of a sudden an extrovert. Everybody thinks he's an extrovert. And he's like, oh, no, 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 not even close. So, yeah, that's so interesting. So for you, your arrows of integration and disintegration are five and two, correct? Right. So can you give an example of what those look like for you? So five is where you go in stress, two is where yep. you go in security. Tell me sure. a little bit what that looks like. When I'm in stress, I go into the five zone where they want to research and know every detail about everything. And I've seen that come out um, when I'm having to make big decisions, maybe big purchases or things that we know we're going to have to live with for a long time. So that can be, um, a home where we want to live. And so I'm in full research mode. Um, it can be the financial market because it's crazy right now. And so I want to know how to protect my family with that. I think of when I was having my babies and we had to like pick a stroller and pick the, the right bumbo and all those things. I was researching and watching YouTube reviews for hours and hours. And I look back, I'm like, what a waste of time. That was not necessary. I should have just picked one and moved on, but it was a big deal at the moment because it was for my baby after all. Yeah. Um, and then the other side of that in two, I turn into a helper and I'm happy to help those that I love. I'm happy to jump in, be a part of a team to just do anything that I can to love on people by helping them and supporting them in whatever way that they need at the moment. That's awesome. Yeah. I think of Jed, oh man, all of the researching. I mean, I, I don't even do any research because I'm like, he'll do it. There's no need of yeah. me wasting my time and YouTube videos after YouTube video. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And yeah, just to an extreme mm -hmm. probably. And he would probably admit that too, that he can get really deep in it. And then he's indecisive. And I think that really mm -hmm. bothers yeah. him because he's like, 
there's more than one great option. What do I do? There's like, yeah. you know, so usually that is very hard. Yeah. If he's purchasing something, he'll purchase like all of them, which stresses me out that doesn't want to have stuff in our house. Right. And so he's like, which one do you think of these multiple options that I've researched for hours? And I'm like, I have no idea that one because it looks a little prettier. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That actually just happened to us recently because we were having family pictures done while we were on vacation. And I wanted this beautiful summery dress, but it was kind of early spring and those summer dresses weren't out yet. And it's so hard to tell online shopping. You know, we can't go into stores and try try things on anymore. So I think I bought eight or nine dresses and had them all shipped to the house. And I had a little try on session. And Daniel, what do you think? What do you think of me in this one and that one? And I had to see them all. But yeah, I just want it to look right because family pictures live on forever. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I definitely see that. And then the helper side, uh-huh. I think it's like, I don't know, this could be me just making it up. But when we're traveling, you know, the airport, all that stressful you know, getting on the plane, we got there, the kids are there, we're all there. And he takes like a deep breath. It's like, we're done. The stress is kind mm, of alleviated. Yeah. And then he jumps up and helps all the people put their luggage in their oh. overhead compartment. Yeah. So that's just, that's what came to my mind is like, he's finally like, we're here, we're on the plane. Stress has been relieved. Let me help these people. That's so sweet of him. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. What a good example. But I'm like, you are so feisty 10 minutes ago. And now you can be so kind to this lady and put her, you know, her yeah. suitcase up. I, yeah. I think it's the ability to have blinders and compartmentalize. And you know, when you have a job that has to get done, we're really intense about it. And then once that stress is over, it's like, you can flip a switch yeah. and not worry about it anymore. So what would you say is the biggest pet peeve that you um, would align with being an eight? So something wow. you see that's a pet peeve and you're like, uh-huh. yeah, that's probably <laughs> rooted in my eightness. Grocery shopping. I personally like grocery shopping, but it's the other people <laughs> who are grocery shopping. I, I think it relates back to, I like efficiency and I don't like people to waste my time. And I just feel like in the grocery store, people want to linger and they leave their cart in the middle of the aisle while they go look at something 10 feet away. And you're kind of waiting. You're like, you're not the only person in the store trying to shop today. You know, like it riles me up on the inside. And I just, I have to do a lot of talking to God while I grocery shop because it really irritates me for people to kind of take up the whole aisle or walk really slowly. And they know you're there and they just don't care. (laughs) So that, um, or my other new pet peeve, I think because now everybody has the backup cameras in their car, you're seeing a lot more people who want to back into their parking spots. And so you're trying to find a spot and you're in a hurry. And then all of a sudden somebody wants to stop and do their little three point turn and back in. I'm like, oh yes, yes. You're the only person here. We'll all stop. So you can back into your parking spot. You're so important. You know, that that's like the ugliness in me. That's like, stop it. Just pull in and get done and get out. Now, one thing that I was reading about the threes, because efficiency, I feel like is my like Achilles heel. I, I want it at all cost. Like I will, Yeah. it, it drives Jed crazy. And I think he yeah. likes efficiency, but he, he's like, I hate that we are going to pick a restaurant and then go to the grocery store right next beside it. And I was like, I'll go to that restaurant only if we can go to the grocery store beside it but I don't need to go to that restaurant, which is further if we can't get go to that, the grocery store. Like it was only if we could do both, like the efficiency of it made sense. And he was like, that bothers me. Why can't we just go to this restaurant and then drive 20 minutes to go to that grocery store? Cause I said, we'll pass 20 grocery stores on the way. That makes me crazy. I cannot yeah. do it. He's like that bothers me about you. And I was like, I know it does. 
but what I've read about three, and I know you said you have some three tendencies, like you could mistype as a three. And I think that's common, but Mm -hmm. it's like for threes, efficiency can get the best of us, but you're seeing it for you and your eightness as well. Totally. Like what you're saying, like it would be stupid to go to the grocery store that's 20 minutes away. Uh, That's, that's exactly how I feel. Like I want to go to the restaurant that's next to the grocery store because it saves me time. And now I don't have to make an extra trip tomorrow or we're not later getting home, putting the kids to bed. And I don't know, maybe that's because we're both moms too. So we think like that, like, Oh, if I don't hit this grocery store now, I'll have to do it when all the kids are with me tomorrow. That's just not fun. You know? So I want to be really efficient with my time. So yeah, I think motherhood has pushed me to be even more efficient with my time, more strategic with where I stop, how I shop, what I do in my day. Mm -hmm. I'll have to ask Jed about that because yeah, we just had that discussion and here I would ask you this. So if we get groceries for the week, let's say, and we forgot one thing that is relatively important, like Mm -hmm. we, we will miss it. Would you drive back to the grocery store and get it? When are you realizing it? Are you realizing it when you're getting ready to cook or are you realizing it when you get home and it's not in the bag? I would say within 24 hours of just being at the grocery store, it's like, oh, we didn't get, let's say eggs. Whereas uh-huh. Jed will jump in the truck and be like, let's go get eggs, just yeah. eggs. And I'm like, no, we will wait a week because we made the mistake. We will feel the pain of it for the next week. <laughs> so you're going to punish your mistake. So you never make it again. Exactly. That's hilarious. No, if I need the eggs, like we're going to go get the eggs. And my husband is actually usually really good about that. Like if I've forgotten something, he will go and grab it for me really quickly. But if it's something that I don't have to have that week, I'll let it slide. I'll be like, well, we'll just do it out this week. Yes. Um, but yeah, if it's necessary, I'm going back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like, that might be like what you talk about of being like it. Um, you kind of describe it justice, but doing it right. Like I would mm-hmm. adjust the recipe to not use eggs and I'll use some applesauce or something in it. And Jed's like, no, let's use the eggs that it calls for and do it right yeah. versus experiment with some applesauce. Absolutely. Do it right. And it always throws me off when I hear people say, oh, well, usually I make this recipe with um, blueberries, but I didn't have them. And so I just made it anyways. And I'm always like, oh, you did that? <laughs> Like it shocks me. I'm like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just go get the blueberries and make the right recipe? <laughs> do it right. Yeah. Uh-huh. I love it. Well, my last two questions, because we're out of time, but this is so fun. I could talk to you for hours. I know. What's one of your eight traits that helps you as a mom? And what is one of your eight traits that helps you as a wife? Mm. I would say as a mom, my ability to be really decisive and my love for independence and autonomy. Personally, it works well in our family. My husband travels a lot. And so it's me and the kids a lot by ourselves. And I have so many women that tell me, I don't know how you do that. And I'm like, it's great. I get a little time for myself, me and the kids. We kind of get in this really cool role, like this rhythm of our own. Like when daddy's gone, mama rules the roost. And it's kind of fun. We make it our own thing. And I kind of relish it a little bit. But then, you know, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder. So I'm always like welcoming him to come home. And I'm excited for him to come back. But yeah, like that independence, that works really well in our family dynamic. Um, as well as being able to be really direct and kind of zero in, like we said before, if there's a, a crisis or you have to make decisions quickly or the stress of going through an airport with kids, that is like my zone. Like I can get it done and I can quickly see what needs to be prioritized and what doesn't. And I hit it in that order. I see that. That helps so me. much. Yeah. And it's like, and I then, have the ability to stand up like that. 
but yeah. he does it so well in sp specifically in traveling that it's like mm -hmm. I become one of the ducklings with the kids behind him. It's like the four of us behind daddy. He's doing it. He's That's so cute. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I think you asked me about being a wife yeah. too. I think, oh man, that one's kind of harder. Daniel said, I, I did ask him this. I said, what, what do you think you like about me being an eight as a wife? Mm -hmm. And he said, you kick my butt like nobody else does. Like my husband has a semi-public job. And so he gets a lot of people saying like, oh, you're wonderful. You did a great job or whatever. And so it's a lot of accolades for him personally, which is fine. They're well-deserved, but I'm the person that will shoot him straight at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And he says that he likes that because if everybody just is always kissing your butt all day long, you're never going to grow. You're never going to try to become a better version of yourself or perfect your craft. Um, and so he says, that's what I do for him. And he said, you grew me up from a boy to a man. And I said, well, I hope you don't think it was too much. He said, well, sometimes you're a pain in the butt, but <laughs> it, uh, it works well. And he's appreciative for it. And he likes that I push him and I challenge him. Um, I think that's one of my strengths too. And my kids is I'm a pusher challenger. I like to empower people. If I have friends that I see are struggling with insecurity or not standing up for themselves, mm -hmm. it's like that justice in me rises up. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, you will stand up for yourself and I'm going to coach you how, and I'm on your team. And I just really want to like almost give you the power that I can. That's awesome. I love mm -hmm. it. Well, thank you for sharing so much. I think this is helpful for me for sure. I'm going to ask Jed to listen to this and tell me where he sure. relates and where he doesn't. And I'm sure lots of others will as well. So thank you for your time and I will see everybody next week. Thanks, thank Heather. you so much for having me. Bye. Thank you for joining me today. And if you connected with something that was said, I hope you will share this with a friend, subscribe and leave a review. Thanks for sharing this journey with me at home where it all begins.